0: There is a war there between fantasy war and, nightmare, and nightmare, which unlocks the universe. unseen door behind consciousness. It takes only it but a gesture, gesture to adjust and see it and the realm beyond. This is The Dark verse. Verse, 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 verse. Hello, I'm Sharkchild, and this is The Dark Verse. A collection of my strange works with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. SharkchildsRemains.com is calling your name because it holds my book, The Dark Verse, Volume 1, entitled From the Passages of Revenance," in its e-commerce grip. For you to purchase. SharkchildsRemains.com has free shipping, no sales tax, and accepts all major credit cards and even PayPal. Also, every copy that I sell on that site will be signed by me. And you can still use the coupon code verse to save $2 dollars for a limited time, so act very quickly. Please support me and buy my book. Shark Remains.com Remains.com Now, it's time to turn the dark verse back to the pages of names. Let me introduce you to the 44th episode of the Dark Verse and to an abomination of this universe. Let me introduce you to Averdine.
1: On the dull road called Mayberry Lane, I stood at the turn of the evening. I just flicked a cigarette at a passing vehicle, watching as its cinder flashed into the night. In front of me stood the cursory, a name given to a house because no one ever gave the place a second glance. It was tucked a short ways off the road, but far enough away so that even the bluntest detail of its presence went unobserved. It was the home of my love. As I began my walk to the house's secluded porch, a succession of pricks began jabbing the back ends of my eyes. In patterns of circles, the pricks drilled, pushing forth into my retinas. The burrowing continued once inside my eyes, when in the middle, the digging descended and came out through the bottom. There, the apparitions poured invisibly out into the open. It felt as if they were flowing forth like worms through a meat grinder, but there was nothing to see, no evidence of any such happening. The sensation then ceased. I had just turned twenty years old. Filled with shock and confusion, I continued my walk to the cursory's front door and knocked. The lock clicked, and the door opened. I embraced she who opened the door, my love. I embraced her not only because of her glowing appearance, but because I was afraid. Passion overcame us briefly before my eyes began to tingle and see differently than they ever had before. I saw beneath her flesh and blood and bone. I saw the beat of a different heart an unearthly heart, pumping its pathetic life through veins of existence, unnoticeable and inconsequential. I see you, I told her. I know what you are. I know what you want. Then take me, she cried. Yes, I said, novice to the abilities that had just surfaced within me. I will. I grabbed her fiercely, then, by the arms. At first she showed no resistance against my actions, but I began to grip harder and tighter, and then her eyes changed. That was the moment I wanted. I looked inside them, down the tunnels that joy and sorrow had burrowed, and spoke to her, not to her soul or spirit, but to the sacrosanct place far between the galaxies of her bodily and spiritual weaving. Brilliant words came from me. They were exact, and sharp, and perfect. I whispered them so quietly and beautifully that only she alone would hear them off the current of breath egressing from my lips. And then it came, her scream, overwhelming revelation, unbelievable pleasure, incalculable pain. The seed inside her had sprouted. I continued to speak to her, and her scream grew. She convulsed as she screamed and her skin flushed to purple. Not once did she stop to breathe. The scream tore inside her, turning into a ululation of unmatched effect. What do you want to be? I asked her, the question to close the spell of her unwritten, devilish becoming. I spoke succinctly and confidently. Her ululation carried on. It peaked. My love's skin vibrated and flexed. It shook with the monumental quivering of godlike longing. She wanted what was to come. That was why she screamed. She wanted it so horribly that it became her and grew inside of her, from infancy to adulthood, within a few short moments of time. I only showed her it was there, and that it was hers to behold. My love's mouth spread wide, wider than that of its capability. Then it slipped out and over her, turning her inside out as her halo of valley wide spread teeth sloped down. A puddle of human decay was left, but something remained in the middle of that mess, in her place, and I took it. Over all the powers of the cosmos, this small vessel of inanimation was what she wanted to be, divinity. That which lay in my hand was perfectly round, perfectly smooth, and perfectly beautiful. It was one of living nature's most precious gifts, a pearl. I was told that a fortune teller on an island off the coasts where the sky never cleared, knew answers to questions like none before her could dream of. She knew things that were not known. And so I sought out this fortune teller, year after cursed year, as I grew sick of uncovering the desires beneath the lives of man, and looked for the coasts where the sky never cleared. Eventually, I did find it. Two miles off the coast of Navashem, a large city of dense fluorescent lights and heavy pollution, the island rested. The mixture of light and smog from the city forged an abomination of crust that lined the sky for miles in all directions, hiding well the island and the bridge that extended to it. The island was nothing more than a disliked amusement called Spawning Island inhabited by the outcasts of the world. Its 100-acre holding was lined with mysterious tents, disturbing performances, and loud, visually butchering games. I wandered around the place for a full day before I found the cabin tucked away in the corner of a large tent. I made my way through stands of mindless freaks and homeless slumberers. Each of their desires was like mud lining the nether regions of hell. Strong, but irreparably perverse. The cabin had a door without a knob and no windows. Hanging from the door's face was a sign that read, Risen from soil, lifted from sky, Miss Copernica. I knew it was whom I sought. I knocked. There was no answer. I knocked again. The door opened outward with the reverberations of my fist. Inside, I found an empty room shrouded in blackness. I walked inside and closed the door behind me, using my hands to feel the way to the lock to bolt it. I did not want any disturbances. In the middle of the empty room was a chair. I sat down. Across from me, an unseen door opened within the wall, leaking out a pale, yellow light. My shadow danced out of hiding and stretched across the floor. What do you want to know, came a woman's voice from within the open door. What I am, I answered. The woman came forth. She was dressed in a quilt sewn together with a myriad of colorful, cryptic patches. Her hair was black. Perhaps I can help, she said, looking deeply into my eyes, the light behind her an aura of contrast. But your price will not be named until after I have begun, and you must pay. That should not be a problem, I replied. It is not money I will ask for. Very well, I still agree. The fortune teller gripped my face with her hands, stretching and pressing my skin as if it were a concept unknown to her. She prodded my mouth and my nose, but when she arrived at my eyes, she became delicate with me. Gently, she pushed back my lower eyelids. Look up, she demanded, and so I did. You are not nameless, she told me, keeping me under inspection. There have been others like you," she let me go. On a pad of antique paper that she pulled from within her clothing, she drew a symbol and turned the pad so that I would see it. You have a name. It is here in this mark, the same mark branded into the under-regions of the cornea and sclera of each of your eyes. Is there a word for the symbol? I asked while soaking in the fortune-teller's desire. One of horrific power and peril. Yes. May I hear it? Your price. You must pay it. I cannot do what you ask. I have not asked for anything. I know what you seek. I cannot do it. Then you will never know the answer to your question. The room was filled with a pause of thought and reluctance. Very well. I said. I stood from my chair and forcefully grabbed the fortune-teller's face with both of my hands. I brought it close to mine, as close as it would possibly come. Tell me. You are called an Aphrodane. You are a part of a race of wish-granters called upon by the randomness of the universe. Her voice rose. There was no connection by blood. There was no appointment by destiny. Once human, now Aphrodane, the universe's arbitrary choice in maintenance of its twisted balance. Her voice softened. Now release me. The fortune teller did not mean release by the standards of her captivity within my hands. She wanted me to use what I had been gifted with. I understood this, but I wanted to know more about myself. Release me! The fortune teller spoke again eagerly and emphatically. My lesson was complete. I filled my eyes with the void of the fortune teller's presence so that I would see only the granule of her furthest existence. With it in my vision, I read aloud the script I understood upon its surfaces, the testament of her deepest desire. I then whispered it to her, allowing my voice to become a ghost of hell and heaven united in euphoric unveiling. The tragedy, the truth, and the resonation of my words drained into her cracks, a sound heard by the whole of herself. It cut through her. What do you want to be? I asked her. Anger filling my voice. Anger for wanting to learn more about myself. Anger for not wanting to give the fortune teller her request. And then it came. The scream. The fortune teller witnessed her own awful horizon and wielded upon her flesh. Her voice screeched and splintered, dividing sound from pain and from pleasure. Her skin began to melt as the treacherous harmony of her scream lived on unwaveringly into the cabin and the extreme beyond. Pieces of her flesh began to fall upon my hands and the floor. Where the pieces fell, rays of harsh light beamed out from inside her, and with the light came terrible heat. I could not remain to see what she was becoming. It would have taken my life. I ran from the cabin and the tent while the fortune-teller's screaming tore on. I ran not only for my life, but to seek. The fortune-teller's transformation could not remain unmatched. It was not long before I found whom I sought, for spawning island was the cream of the despairing crop. I collected myself for what was required of me, and did the best to gather my breath. The scream from the fortune teller lingered in the background. There was not much time. I snuck up behind the man with the gun in his trousers and the slits on his wrists. I grabbed him around the waist and placed my head on his shoulder. I then spoke to him of the almighty prayer emanating from the bowels of his invisible self. What do you want to be? I asked him at the close of my sermon, while leaving him to stand amongst the moving throngs of uncouth souls. He screamed. As I attained a safer distance from my subject, I turned back to see him eroding into a black warp that began bending the space surrounding him, ripping pieces of matter from the very roots of their existences. That was the last I let myself see of the island on the coasts where the sky never cleared. Beneath the cover of electric gloom, a star and a black hole impaled one another, tearing from the earth a morbid chunk of life before crumpling under the failed attainment of their wishes. I help people see that what they are is inadequate, the dust beneath fingernails, The grime underneath eyelids, the scabs in places unlit. Those are what I pull on, hidden aspirations uncontrollable upon release. There is one question that is at the heart of what I do. What do you want to be? It may seem to be a very simple question, but when the ability to harness and focus desire within people so that it transforms them lay within control, it, the question, is very much more eminent. A butterfly does not wish to be beautiful. A lion does not choose to be a hunter. They are what they are, for the dark natures of their wills and appearances are no more flexible than the certainty of death. Beneath the bone of structure, and the particles gripping and strangling life, there rests an ill-nurtured seed. None see it. None see it but me. I see the seed, and I see the mothering it needs to grow and blossom irreversibly into life.
0: That concludes episode 44 of The Dark Verse. Make sure you download all of my episodes on iTunes or at thedarkverse.com. If you like the little names theme song that I created, you can also download that on iTunes as well. So make sure you get it. If you want to send me a message of any kind, do so with sharkchild@thedarkverse.com. Please give me a review on iTunes if you have the time, and uh, enjoy yourself. All stories on the Dark Verse are the sole property of Shark Child and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love.